this morning, as we continue through the book of Acts, we find ourselves beginning in chapter 2. So Mike read it for us. And uh, if you would turn there uh, as well. And then also if you could do this. I uh, didn't put this in the bulletin, but if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I didn't get the page number, so I'm I'm sorry if you're using the book there in the pew. Um, But Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Uh, So if you go a little further from Acts, make your way further in the New Testament. Um, If you get to Paul's letters, Galatians Ephesians. And if you'll hold Ephesians 5, we'll get there a little bit later. Okay, so hold Ephesians 5 and then we're going to camp out in Acts 2. Let me ask you this this morning. Have you, have you ever seen a tornado? I mean, not, not just on the, the news. I mean, obviously, recently, locally, we've seen the effects of a tornado. We've seen pictures, amazing pictures of tornadoes. But have you ever been in one? Um, raise your hand. Have you ever been in one? Like physically in one? Yeah? Yeah, we got some in here. Uh, Brad was yours in Missouri. Yeah. Uh, do what now? More than, yeah, I was going to say more than one. And so uh, you, you've been in them. I, I remember as a young kid looking outside and uh, seeing a funnel cloud uh, above us. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know why my parents let me go outside and look at it, but that's uh, neither here nor there. That I remember seeing it. It's just a funnel cloud. It was it was small, and so it was it was up in the air, and so maybe they thought, okay, that's cool, and and so, but but no danger of it coming down. And then I also remember one time my, my wife and I and, and our kids at the time, uh, we were going to visit somebody here that was having a baby, and I remember when we were getting out of the car, hearing there's a tornado warning in uh, Denton County, and I'm like, that's that's us, and so we're running into the hospital to see. Uh, Eric and Amber Davenport is they were going to have their, their first child and, and we're standing there in the, in the room and uh, we see a funnel cloud outside the window. At that time they, they ushered everybody and so uh, the Davenport and Fontenot family, we all gathered in this huge big bathroom with some other friends that were there um, and, and hung out for, I don't know, about an hour, hour and a half together around the toilet. I mean, that's kind of cool. Uh, knowing that, that uh, you know, there's a tornado outside. Where else do you want to be? You want to be in the hospital, right? Right, you get some quick care in case anything happens. So um, that, that's been my experience. And um, it's interesting when, when tornadoes happen, obviously they leave destruction and, and they can be very, very devastating and, 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 and sad with the loss that, that can incur. But I want you to see this one. There's a couple of pictures. Go back to the other one, Patrick, if you would. This one is the most unique, and, and, and I think it's cool. Students, that's called a record, all right? And they're vinyl, and there's these things called needles, and they're record players, and they go on, and somehow music comes out of them, and it's weird. And so um, we never could figure out how you could get those, like, uh, hooked to your pocket into earphones and stuff like that. But uh, it's a record. It's a record. So... Uh, that is stuck in a telephone pole, which is very unique. It almost looks like a, a saw, right? That's going through a, a piece of wood, a telephone pole. And so you got that picture. That's pretty interesting. And so then, then look at this picture as well. This is recently. This is actually from Joplin, Missouri, Brad, close to you guys. And so uh, look at that, that, that picture there. That's a piece of wood going through a curb. That's pretty amazing to me. I saw that one. I thought, oh, we've got to see that one. And, and so that's cool too. And then I want you guys to, to, I don't have a picture of this, but in Life Magazine a few years ago, 
I saw this. This is a drinking straw that I have up here, okay? And so it has use to it, but it's pretty flimsy, frail, weak, um, pretty much not a lot of power going on here. Um, but the, this picture in Life magazine was amazing. And, and it showed this straw had pierced, um, there you go, had pierced, see that shows you how weak it, it can't go through my hand, but it had pierced a telephone pole all the way through and it was just sticking in it and I thought, oh my word, that is unbelievable. And, and if you think about it, we're like this straw. I mean, we're frail, we're flimsy, we're weak, but yet God takes the frail, God takes the weak the in, ones incapable of, of doing the supernatural, the impossible, and he takes something completely outside of us and provides a force, provides a power to allow you and I to experience the impossible, to allow you and I to experience the supernatural. And that's what he does. And so this morning, that's what we're going to see. We've been waiting for it, we've been reading about it for the last few weeks in the scripture. The apostles have been waiting, and now the time's here. The Holy Spirit has come. It's come. And that's what we're going to read about. And the Holy Spirit takes the frail and the weak, and he does the impossible. He does the supernatural. And we're going to see that in full visible effect this morning. It's going to be an audio, visible, uh, or visual experience of God that's going to happen here in Acts chapter 2. And this morning, I, I, I simply pray this, that, that you and I would long for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, that God would do the impossible through us and enable us just as he did the apostles here in the first century in chapter 2. And so look at the text this morning. Mike read it for us, but I want us to see it together again. Uh, we'll walk through this text. Look at verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come... They were all together in one place. Now, Pentecost. What's the significance of Pentecost? If, if you go back to Exodus uh, chapter 34, um, we, we read about Pentecost. It's also called the uh, Feast of Weeks. And in Jewish um, religion, what they would do is they would have these celebrations that, that God had set aside to remember him. You have Passover, uh, you have other celebrations, and Pentecost was one of those, the Feast of Weeks. Now, what's interesting about Pentecost is it signified uh, the, the 50th day since Passover. And, and so, Pentecost happened the 50th day after Passover. Uh, and so, you think about this, 50 days um, that the apostles have experienced some pretty mind-blowing things, right? You remember at Passover? Where were they at Passover? They were with Jesus, right? And what were they doing? They were sitting in the upper room. They were eating a meal together, and Jesus there talked about, right, what he was going to do, that he was going to go and die on the cross, and he took the bread, and he took the cup, and he talked about the bread being his body and the cup being his blood that represented, right, the new covenant. That happened on Passover, and that he is the ultimate Passover lamb. And then from there, it's a blur, right? Jesus dies on Friday. Then Jesus raises again on the third day. And then for 40 weeks, he appears to them in his glorified body, hangs out with them, eats with them, shows them the, the, the wounds in his hands and his feet. 
And then on the 40th day after his resurrection, what happens? He ascends into heaven. And we read that in Acts chapter 1. And the angels say the same place that he has gone in the same way that he has gone, he's going to come again one day. But you remember what Jesus told them. Jesus told them in John 14, John 15, and John 16 that there is going to be one who comes, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit that the Father has promised to give to them. And this is that day. This is the day that that they have been waiting for. It's going to happen on the day of Pentecost. Now, what's significant about this as well is that the Jews on the day of Pentecost, what they would do is, is they were encouraged Uh, to come to the closest sanctuary in their city if it was 20 uh, miles or shorter in distance to travel they were to go to that sanctuary and they were to gather especially the men they were to go and present their first fruits of wheat and they were offered that at the temple at the sanctuary And, and there would be this festival that would take place and so there in Jerusalem you had a lot of people from all over the place who were Jews You even had Gentiles who had converted to Judaism who would come into Jerusalem. And so you have a crowd in the city. And then you have these apostles. You remember the apostles? They had gathered in the upper room. At times, we find that there's 120. Peter was even talking to them. Uh, the, the apostles went from 11 to 12, so their team gets a little bigger. Matthias has now come. He's taken Judas's place. And so that's the setting. That's the context that we have. For what's going to happen on this day. And so what happens? Look at verse 2. Suddenly it says, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. They rested on each one of them that were present. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. You know that feeling where there's something on the calendar. You know it's coming, right? Maybe it's a birthday. Um, like I'm turning 40 April 8th. I'm, I'm not feeling this way right now, okay? But you know that feeling where you can't wait. You're ready. You're waiting. It's like Christmas morning and you can't wait. Remember as a kid, you, oh, I can't wait for that day to come here. Maybe it was your high school graduation or maybe it was your college graduation. Uh, somebody said at the 9 a.m. hour, they said, it's like Friday. I can't wait for Friday to get here, right? The weekend, right? I, I think this is a little more than that, but um, they are waiting. They're waiting and, and, and they, they, they can't wait for this to happen. And here it is. What they had been waiting for is here it's the coming of the holy spirit and he comes with physical attributes he comes with physical characteristics now what we have right here is called typology right typology it's not allegory right it, it, it's not uh just just a symbol of of something it's it's real it, it's real it symbolizes something yes but it's real what happens here and so the first thing we see is a noise right A violent, rushing wind that causes an incredibly loud noise. In the Greek language, it's the word echo, right? Um, And and we we get that. We understand echo. Uh, A loud noise can cause a, a great 
echo. And so think of it like this. If, if you've ever maybe been in a hurricane, you've been on maybe uh, the coast or whatever, you've, you've, you've heard that violent rushing wind that, that will come onto shore. Or like in a tornado, many have said that a tornado sounds like a freight train. And so that's kind of maybe like what's happening here. You have this big noise that comes from heaven where Jesus had ascended to. It comes from there and it fills this whole house where the apostles are at. And then not only that, you have fire. You have the physical uh, presence simultaneously separating into smaller flames, this fire, each in the shape of a tongue that came to rest on the people there in the room. And so you have these two manifestations of God. You have wind and you have fire. Both of them to illustrate spiritual truth. And these two typologies, they, they don't uh, establish doctrine itself, but what do they do? They, they emphasize and they illustrate doctrine. And that's significant so that you and I can, can fully understand what's being spoken about. And so what's being spoken about? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the coming presence and power of of the Holy Spirit. So what's the first typology we have? We have wind. Where else do we see in Scripture wind refers to God, to the Holy Spirit? We find it in John, right? John 3. Do you remember that? Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. They're talking about being born again. Listen to what Jesus talked about. He said, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. And so when we're born again, when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's not just some loud rushing wind or, or some violent rushing thing. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What is he saying, though, is that's what the Holy Spirit is like. The Holy Spirit, we don't know where it's going to go. We don't know whose life it's going to change or transform. But we know when that life is changed and transformed, we know it. We know it. And he says, that's what the wind does. It goes here and it goes there. We don't know where it's going to go, but, but we know the effect of it. And that's the case with the Spirit of God. He's the one who brings about this new birth. And he brings change to the sinner. It's this, he's this power, the Holy Spirit is. He's this invisible force. Not only that, he speaks of the fire. Where do we see fire talked about in Scripture which referring to God? We see it in Exodus, right? Exodus 3, Moses there at the burning bush. God speaking to him at that time. We also see fire, uh, the presence of God, the glory of God that will lead the Israelites uh, at night. And no doubt, these apostles, when this happens, when they see these visible things, no doubt they're thinking about Old Testament scripture that talks about the presence of God in this way. And so here you have this fire. You have this noise. And what is it? It's the coming of the Holy Spirit, Luke says in verse 4. That's what hap is happening. The coming of the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus has been promising that the Father would give. You remember back in John 14, I want to read it again. I know we've read it a few times. I want you to hear what Jesus said to his disciples. He said this in verse four, uh, 16 of John 14. He says, I will ask the Father. And so there's an example. Jesus intercedes for us. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator between us and the Father. He says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And so this helper, the Holy Spirit, is this permanent 
everlasting presence in those who believe in Jesus Christ. He's permanent, he's everlasting. And then he says this, that is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does, does not see him nor know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. And so he tells these disciples, this is the helper who's coming. He's abided with you, he's remained with you. This is the idea that he's been with you and near you, but now he's going to be what? In you. He's going to dwell in you. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Isn't that interesting? You think about the disciples. They've been with Jesus for what, three years? They've eaten meals with him. They've hung out by the fire at night with him. They've had discussions by the sea with him. They've, they've been with him for a good part of their time over the last three years. And then they went through all this tough stuff with him, with the cross and betrayals and, and denials of him. And so they've had some conflict and tension in their relationship, right? They've all this kind of stuff and they had 40 days with him after his resurrection. And, and, and then he ascends to heaven. And then now for, for 10 days here in Acts chapter 2, they don't have him anymore. They don't have him anymore. They, they don't have the talks by the fire. They don't have the talks by the sea. They kind of feel, I would imagine, like orphaned, right, a little bit. And so Jesus knew what he was talking about here, though, right? He says, hey, when, when you get to that point, when I'm not here anymore, I want you to know, I'm not going to leave you, though, as orphans. I'm going to give you something that's even to, more to your advantage, and it's my presence in you, with you, all the time. That's what he's promised. And so who is this presence? Who is this power that comes here on the day of Pentecost and begins this new work of indwelling those who belong to God? Who is he? He's the Holy Spirit. He's not an it, but he's the Holy Spirit. And I love this story. I, I was reading this this week, and I always love a good uh, illustration if it's, if it's not cheesy. And this one might be borderline cheesy. I'm just going to be honest with you. It might go there. Um, and I usually don't do this, but I thought this was cool. This is a pretzel, all right? And I know lunch is getting close, so I thought I'd just tempt you a little bit. And so here we go. Uh, so Miss Thompson one day, she had her kiddos on Sunday morning, and she was teaching and she was teaching her kiddos about the Trinity, about the triune God, that God is one, but he is three persons, okay? You imagine sitting down and we got little nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds and you gotta, you gotta explain that to them. Anybody want that? Anybody want that? All right, good, sign up. Next week we're doing it. All right, here we go. So here we go. So the pretzel. And she says, listen, class, I, I want you to see that, that God is one, but he is father, pointing to one whole, all right? So this is cute. Um, he is son. He is Jesus pointing to the other hole. And he is the Holy Spirit pointing to the other hole. And, and she simply wanted to do this to just, just kind of give them something physical to think about to remind them that he is one. He, he is the same substance but, but three separate persons. And that's mysterious, right? I mean, even to us to adults this morning, all right? And, and so she wanted to have them just nail it down. And so little Tommy, right? It's always got to be little Tommy or Jimmy, right? So, so little Tommy says, teacher, I, I would love, I would love to show you how I get this, all right? I get this. And so he gets up and he says, all right, class, and he's nine, all right? So he comes, he says, listen, here's the father, 
here's the son, this is Jesus, right? And then he says, and this is the holy smoke. <laughs> the holy smoke. <laughs> and and, and why, why I think that's funny is because when you think about the Holy Spirit, that's what we do sometimes, right? We're like, who is he? What does he do? I mean, even like the King James Version calls the Holy Spirit, Amy, I'm going to leave this for you, it calls the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, right? And even that, we get a little like, woo, what's, what's, that, what's that all mean? And, and when we hear people even talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes we get, because maybe we, our, our background or whatever, or things we've heard, we get a little leery, and we're like, oh my goodness, he's going to talk, oh, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. He's talking about the Holy Spirit a little bit too much, you know? And sometimes people go a little too far, you bet. But who is the Holy Spirit? And so I wanted to just kind of step out a little bit and give you just a few points of who the Holy Spirit is because this is significant. Who is the Holy Spirit? Because if the Holy Spirit lives in us, we need to know who he is, right? If he's taken up residence in our inner man, Paul says, then we need to know who is this force who enables me and empowers me to be the witnesses of Jesus Christ. So who's the Holy Spirit? First of all, he uh, is a person, not an it, all right? So be careful we don't call it, um, not a thing or some abstract force. The Holy Spirit is a person, number one. Second, he is God. He's co-equal, he's co-existent, co-eternal with the Father and with the Son. Third, he possesses all attributes, all characteristics of deity, So when we sing earlier about the presence of the Holy Spirit, longing for uh, him to be in this atmosphere, to come and and be present, when we say that he is loving, he is. When we say that he is the spirit of truth, he is. He's true. When he's, He's just. That's who the Holy Spirit is. What's his ministry? The Holy Spirit regenerates. The Bible talks about that, that he comes and brings transformation. He brings change to the believing sinner. He is one who initiates that change. Not only that, he baptizes those who believe into the universal body of Jesus Christ, into the church. He unites them. That's what Paul talks about. We see it in places like Romans 6 and also in 1 Corinthians. He also indwells, we've talked about that a little bit, all those who have been converted to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He indwells, he takes up residence. So much so that Paul says, um, your body is not your own, but your body is is instead what? A temple of God that's been purchased by God and now filled with the Holy Spirit. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does is he seals us, right? S-E-A-L-S, he seals us, keeping every believer securely in the family of God. I love that because when you think about seal, uh, think of like an envelope that has been sealed, and that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's, he's a seal that cannot be broken. You, can, you can't pull that seal off. It is a guarantee. It is a guarantee. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. So when you see the fruits of the Spirit in one who have confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it is guaranteed, it is sealed up that, hey, you know what? They're a child of God. They're a child of God. He's a seal. And then five other things I want you to hear just real quick. He is the comforting helper. That's what Jesus said in John 14. He is the truth teacher. 
John 14, 15, 16, Jesus tells us that he is the will of the Father revealer. He is the one who's revealing. So when we sit down to read the word of God, we pray, Lord, would you show us, would you reveal to us, God, your word? And he does that through his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. He does that. And the, the Holy Spirit is there with us through the day to, to help cause us to remember the word of God and to reveal us, uh, to us the will of God, even through the day, with wisdom from above. Not only that, he is the gift giver, right? We see in scripture spiritual gifts. Um, the Holy Spirit gives to the church spiritual gifts to cause what? To cause the church to grow up, to, to be mature, uh, so that they can be equipped for every good work. And that's what the Spirit of God does, to cause us to be teachers, to cause us to be, um, have gifts of mercy, and so on. He is the hurt healer. He brings healing to the heart. He's the comforter. That's what the, who the Holy Spirit is. But I want you to see this too. Um, I think this is important because we step back this morning, we see here in Acts 2, the presence of the Holy Spirit on this day, and we're gonna see the effects in just a second. But what's the work of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture? I want to show you just real quickly because sometimes I think we, we forget this. And in Genesis chapter 1, right off the beginning of Scripture, in verses 1 and 2, listen to what Moses tells us about the work of creation by the Holy Spirit. He says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, it was void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was moving or hovering over the surface of the waters. And so even in creation, in fact, in Genesis 1, you see the presence of the Trinity, right? You do. And so here you see the Holy Spirit as this divine motion, this spring of life, this bringing life to dead place, like an eagle who flutters over her young to bring warmth, to cherish them. So the Spirit of God does even in creation. He's the one who gives life. That's what Job says in Job 33, 4. He says, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. You and I are breathing and alive this morning because the Holy Spirit has given us life, according to Job. Not only that, he is the power and the source for the conception of Jesus in the womb of Mary. Why is Christmas such a miraculous and amazing celebration and remembrance? It's because of this. Remember the angel answered and said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Mary has in her conceived Jesus Christ by what? By the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. That's the work of the Spirit. What about Jesus being raised from the dead? Listen to what Paul says about the resurrection of Christ. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, so who raised Jesus from the dead? The Holy Spirit. And he says, that same spirit dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so what's amazing about what's happening here in Acts chapter two is here you have another work of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that, that was back in creation, the same spirit that made every single one of us in here have the breath of life, the same spirit that caused Mary to conceive Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead comes here on the day of Pentecost and now begins to dwell in man. 
And that's the truth. Those who have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And here we see the coming of that. And that's what happens in verse four. Look again, and then we're gonna run through the rest of this. He says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And so the Holy Spirit fills the apostles, the disciples. He indwells in them. And for what purpose? So that they, back in Acts 1.8, you remember? But the Holy Spirit will come and give you power. That word power is the word dynamite. That type of power. To be what? To be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. And what happens on this day? They are transformed. They're empowered. And how do we see that? They were given the ability to speak languages that they had never spoken before. They had never learned before. They had never had access to like Rosetta Stone or anything like that. No, they are empowered in this moment. The day bef- uh, earlier in that day, they couldn't speak these languages. But now when the Holy Spirit comes, they can speak these languages. This is totally different than what Paul is talking about to the Corinthians. Here on this day, they are empowered to speak other dialects. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 3.16. I want you to hear this up on the screen. That he would grant you, the Father would grant you. So Paul's praying that according to the riches of his glory, that you would be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in the inner man. And that's what happens right here. They are strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit. They're given enablement. They've been given ability, ability they didn't have before to speak other languages. Now this is just one aspect, right, of their transformation that happens here. We're gonna see more later as we journey through Acts. This is just one aspect. But the disciples from this day forward are never the same again. Never the same again. Now what's important about this, when you hear this idea of the filling of the Holy Spirit in verse four, the question is, okay, what does that fully mean? Because remember what Jesus said in Acts 1, 5, and 6, he said, on this day, the Spirit is going to come. You're going to be baptized with the Spirit. Now, it can be a little confusing because on this day, that he refers to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit happening on the same day. And so here's what happens. When one comes to know Christ as Lord and Savior, this is what the New Testament testifies to, that when one trusts in Jesus, they're, they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. That baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't happen again, right? There's not like this second or third baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? That, that, that is sometimes taught, that is, that is false doctrine, that's not, that's not real, that's not true, okay? But also on that day, the filling of the Holy Spirit begins as well. And when I say begins, means this, that on that day, you get all of the Holy Spirit. It's not like later some installments come, all right? No, you get all of him then, right? Yeah, all of him then. But the feeling of the Holy Spirit is the idea of control. It is the idea of master. Who's mastering you? Who's controlling you? And so that feeling is ongoing, right? It's an ongoing present. It's an ongoing work. In fact, Ephesians 5, I told you to hold it. And I want you to see this because I think this, this helps to understand the full work of what's going on here. Okay? 
And so listen to what Paul says. A few more minutes and somebody can eat this pretzel. All right, here we go. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, therefore, be careful how you walk or how you live, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Okay, now I read that because this involves living. It, it, it involves walking, lifestyle. How you live is a big deal. And then he says, so then, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so life, the will of the Lord, living out the will of the Lord, it's a big deal to God. And then look at verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, meaning it's wasteful living. It, it's a waste of your time. I, I, I think real simple, he would say, it's stupid, all right? Why spend your days like that? And then he says this, but... Be filled with the Spirit. So if, if you take these verses and you put them together, it, it's simply what Paul is saying is this. I want you to live according to the will of God. And, and as you're doing that, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so instead of being drunk with wine, meaning consuming so much alcohol that, that you're drunk and you have something else controlling you. I want you instead to live according to the will of God and have the spirit who's in you to have that controlling you. And so a key word here is obedience. So the feeling of the Holy Spirit is not separate from obedience. Obedience and feeling of the Holy Spirit, they're together here, right? You have this enablement because the Holy Spirit's in you, but that controlling and that mastering of God by the Holy Spirit happens as we live in obedience to the will of God. That's key. That's important. And we see it here in Acts 2, and you might be saying, how, how do we see this here in Acts 2? They're just filled with the Holy Spirit. No, but what do they do? They open their mouths. They open their mouths. I mean, they're, they're not some robot. They're not like big, uh, you know, uh, big hero six all of a sudden. And they're, they're starting to, to, to talk, but they have no control of it. No, no, they have a choice to either open or remain shut. They have the ability, they have the enablement to speak these other language, but they still have to open their mouth. And so they obey. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives us. He gives us the ability and the enablement to now obey the will of God and to do it. And when we obey, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning he masters us and he controls us. And that's what we should desire. Now look at the effect of this. We'll run through this. Look at Acts 2, 6 through 11, actually verse 5 as well. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, now this is a different sound. Um, it's the same sound, but it's different. I'll tell you why in just a second. The crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So the sound there, the sound in verse 2 is the word echo. The sound in verse 6 is the word phones. All right? That's the Greek. 
phones. So you think about phone. What do we do on a phone? Mainly on a phone. We, we listen to people to talk or we talk to people. So what's happening is we're hearing people. And that's what's happening here. They're hearing them speak in his own language. So isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit came in a wind creating a violent sound. But now the Holy Spirit's coming in an amazing way. And what's that amazing noise that's being heard? It's the witness of the apostles. That's the sound now. Isn't that amazing? They heard the sound of the witness of God's people. Speaking other languages and what happens? They were amazed, verse seven, astonished, saying, why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans, they're from Galilee, why are they speaking our languages? How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? And then we have all the lists there. And then if you go down to verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of what? The mighty deeds of God, which is they're speaking about the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk more about this next week, but just real quickly, what you see here is you have the word of God, the gospel, Jesus being the king of the kingdom, being spoken to Jews by those who, yes, are Jews, but what are they speaking about? The kingdom of God. And so here is a change that's happening, right? It's always been the same with God. He is a God of the nations, not just the Jews. He used the Jews as a tool for, to, to spread his kingdom, to be the witness. But it's not about just the nation being the kingdom of God, because that's what Jews thought. They just thought, it's our nation. That's what the kingdom of God is. And even the apostles got caught up in that, right? But now, the kingdom of God is for all. That has been God's plan. And so now that's being communicated, and they're blown away. They're like, whoa. Perspective has changed. And so that's what the Holy Spirit has also done to the disciples. He's changed their perspective. And they're beginning to communicate the mighty deeds of God. As a result, look what happens in verse 12. They all continued in amazement, great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean, right? And so we'll answer that question next week. And then in verse 13, but others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. Now, as we close this morning, <laughs> has the Holy Spirit transformed you? Because these apostles were so transformed that it caused people to ask, what does this mean? So much so that some were like, wow, these people are so changed with an ability and enablement. There must be some other force, even wine in mockery, they said that. What about us? Have we ever experienced a transformation in our life where, where God has taken us from death to life, where it is noticeable that, that we're no longer walking in the ways of the world, but now we're walking according to the will of God. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Some of us might answer that question and we, we might say, yes, yes, I have had that transformation. I've had it. Some of us might say, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, have, have I experienced that? Now, this isn't, if you look at this today, this isn't some feeling. This isn't some like warm, emotional, warm, fuzzy, going up to a mountaintop experience. No, this, this is life-changing. I had now obey the will of God. That's what they're doing. They're obeying the will of God. 
They're simply being witnesses. That's what God told them to do. They're doing it. And that's the change in their life. There's gonna be more changes, but that's one of the present changes. And so the question is, have we experienced that change? If we would say, hey, maybe I have, or you know what, flat out no, then, then here's the deal. If it's no, then, then we could say, okay, if I haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, then, then what do I need to do? I need to believe. I need to believe. And that's where it begins. That's where it begins. That I would believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. We're in here today and we're saying, hey, I believed in Jesus Christ, but, but to be honest, I'm, I'm not walking and, and being filled with the Spirit, meaning obeying Him. Something else is, is controlling my life right now. There's other things controlling what I do, and, and it's not the Holy Spirit. Then, then today what we simply need to do is we need, the, the Bible talks about repenting. And so what that means is we need to turn away whatever from whatever else is controlling our life and now begin to, to say, okay, Lord, I want you to be master. I want you to be Lord. I, I've been following this way. I, I want to get back on track. I want to start following you the way I should. And so today, if, if the Lord has brought you to one of those two places, whether it's to believe or whether it's to say, okay, Lord, I denounce the control of these things, and now I want you to have control daily in my life, wherever it is, that the Lord just simply wants you to respond and to say, okay, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my heart. You've spoken what is true. Now I want to respond. And this is how I respond, in obedience, either by believing or by simply following you the way I should. Let me pray.